Welcome into the State 48 podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Matthews, bringing you all things AZ. And today we have A-Bomb, the artist, joining us here today. And I'm sure you've seen his beautiful murals around town. Of course, if you're listening right now, you can't see the shirt that I'm wearing, but it's our collab with him as well. And a new one with the Phoenix Suns. So, so much yes, to get into. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have some fun. But first... Things first, I like to always start off with a little fun game mm -hmm. just to warm you up a little bit. Not that we need to. It feels like we're already like familiar over here, right. but it's going to be a quick one. It's called this or that. So you have to choose. Okay. All right. Creating art or creating music, which is another art form, but I know you do both. Music. I just, I'll take music. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's a whole nother. It's like when you can express yourself through sound opposed to having a visual, it's a whole nother process. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I've been creating visually for so long. Like it's a stress reliever to create music. Okay. Cause there's so many aspects that go into it. So your old group was the boondocks back yeah. in the day. Back shout in the nineties. Yeah. Shout out boondocks. Rest can in you, peace. Can you give <laughs> RIP? Nah. Can you give us a little uh, preview of one of your songs? Can oh. you rap for us or is that not? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm putting you on the yeah, spot. You're putting me on the spot. It's like, I don't know. I can't cuss, you know? So it's We just, can beep. You have to go to the website for okay. that. I have to do that. Plug it in. What website? Uh, Abomtheartist.com. There we go. I will be listening to that. And, not my around, and my YouTube, so it's all there. Not around my children, though, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, there's actually some positive stuff that we okay. do. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get into that. Okay. AZ Sunrise or Sunset? Sunrise. For the last six years, or for the last four years, I've been on this project, and um, we're facing the McDowell Mountains out at Desert Ridge, and we have oh, no obstructions, so it's just, I sit on the, right on the patio where we have our trailer set up, and I get blessed with the sunrise, man, do some sun gazing, and meditate, wow. and, you know, bring all the positive energy in, and... So you're up pretty early. Oh, yeah. I'm, Your day I'm, starts? Yeah, we, I'm there an hour before the sun rises every day. Oh, wow. No matter what time of year it is. That's beautiful. Mm. Okay, we are in the... Uh, Holiday spirit a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know you're Hispanic, so I'm going to put you on the spot here because this is a tough question. Mm -hmm. Menudo or pozole? Pozole. Yes. I'm not a fan of the tripe they put in menudo. Really? Yeah, I don't like the texture. Okay. I don't, I've never liked it. It's like since a kid, my mom made me some, and I was like, what is this? She's like, oh, try it. It's so good. And you I don't couldn't explain to people what yeah. that is usually. <laughs> yeah, you've got to chew it too much to get it. Like, no. <laughs> I love both, but yeah, pozole is bomb. Mm -hmm. Okay, hip-hop and R&B or the oldies and classics? Oldies but goodies. Oldies but goodies. All day. They're, you never heard a generation speaking about love so much. That's true. You know what I mean? The hip-hop and R&B is a little bit about love with R&B, but it's the vulgarity and, you know, there's... Nah, you know, if I'm gonna let, listen to something in the car with my kids, it's gonna be the old. So, what are you listening to right now? Oh man, I'm just I do a lot of audiobooks. I just I listen to a ton of audiobooks, and when it is the music, it's usually oldies. You know what I mean? But I am a big fan of Duran Jones, like all the new R&B, the really the new up and coming stuff. Like I just saw Sacred Souls, okay. you know. So that was awesome. What about if it's the oldies? If you're the oldies, teaching your kids some things. The oldies, I'm a big Brent Woods fan. I like Brent Woods, you know, War, Theatre. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of that stuff too. Just a lot of big bands with like horn sections and all that stuff, like the Confunctions and everything else. Cool in the gang. Cool. Yeah. Wow, and we can go it. on and on. Cruising in your classic truck mm -hmm. on a Sunday afternoon or going to an Arizona Cardinals game. 
on it's a kinda, Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's kind of the both the same because I really don't go to football games. I rather watch it on TV because I get so emotional and I don't need that fan experience to where I'm in Cardinal jail next to some Cowboys fan, <laughs> yes. you know? But uh, like yeah. I'm not trying to get in that. They don't want this heat. Yeah, shout out to my boy Bobby, man, Bobby Anthony. I'll be cruising on a Sunday afternoon. Okay, okay. So when you do go to Arizona Cardinals game, are you that guy that like getting kicked out of the section? No, no. <laughs> I, you bring in too much. Nah, I, no. I, if I go to the games, I want to be in a suite or somewhere where I can just have my space. I'm not big on anybody else's emotions. Oh, he wants the hookup then. Yeah, for real. Man. I want to go sit nice. That's my but. dad, though. He, he born and raised here in Arizona, but he will not go to games. Mm. And like working in the sports industry, I'd be like, Dad, do you want to go to this big game? And he's like, I have to watch it at home. Yeah. You get too emotional, and then he's just not fun to be around mm -hmm. <laughs> with the teams losing. I'm like, wow, that's insane. Yeah, throw off my chi when I get an angry opponent <laughs> fan, you know? Well, you have such a rich history here in Arizona with your your artwork. But break it down for people who don't know who you are and exactly <clears throat> what you do. Oh, man. So I was a graffiti artist in the early 80s. So back in, you know, I was in seventh grade and I used to go walk to the library from probably like nine miles. I used to walk to the city library and go find books on graffiti because I had a buddy who had uh, moved here from Brooklyn and he came over and he was telling me about the graffiti and he had shown me some techniques and stuff that, you know, I was like, wow, what is this? So one day I'm walking on the way and there's a canal and I saw one of my one of my friends now well he passed away but he was painting in a canal and he had a big long piece it must have been like 15 20 feet long and it said positive and it had a little character but it was like the old school graffiti you've seen on the trains back in New York and it was just oh man that was it so I just was researching and working on techniques and taking all of my dad's paint and getting paint wherever I could and you know I started graffiti every night and then I had a my neighbor had a big wall by his house probably like 10 feet high by like 40 feet long and I used to stay up all night painting that and one uh one night I stayed up till like two or three in the morning and I had to be at school so I walked to school and my first period of class was uh science and they were talking about atoms and splitting atoms and I'm asleep on my desk and he had me sitting at the front because I would always be asleep <laughs> my teacher Mr. Scott and uh he walks over and he sees I'm asleep. And this is what everybody tells me that he walks over, snuck over to me. And he's like, what happens when you split atoms? And he goes, you get atom bombs. And he slammed the book on the desk and woke me up and everybody laughed and called me out of bomb. So it stuck in a bomb. The artist from seventh Shout grade out to Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott. Scott. Wow. Yeah. And Looked then that was the birth of, yeah, that was artistry. it. A bomb, the artist right there. Wow. So I used to be Adam bomb then kind of everybody else. And then it was just bomb for a while. But then when I was on tour road managing, we couldn't say bomb in the airport. So everybody would be calling me bomb and they turn <laughs> no, no. around looking all crazy. So yeah. It's just it's a bomb now. So. so growing up, because you know, sometimes people are like, "Okay, graffiti, you don't want it, you know, in the streets and clean up the graffiti." But mm -hmm. you took such a artistic form to it. Did you ever get in trouble for doing graffiti, or was it always based on like a project, a mural, or something at home? Nah, it was just like my dad was military dude, so I didn't like to get in trouble. But he was just like, you know, what I mean, do it where you got permission because if they're, mm -hmm. one, they're not going to take it down. And two, paint positive images. So I was never really a big, you know, like you see graffiti letters and a lot of people are with their names and different sayings and they use the big lettering platform. But I, you know, I've always been character driven. So I've always creating characters and positive images that people, oh, we'll just leave it there. Mm -hmm. It's not saying anything bad. It doesn't say we can't 
not understand what it's saying because a lot of the graffiti is hard to read so people don't like it right. so i was just always just very character driven so i would just go and do pieces where like my buddies oh hey man there's this wall in front of my house you know i don't think anybody would mind if you did it so i would do things where they would let it run so stay there for a while mm-hmm. and so that's what majority of my work is now is just still positive imagery and just like a lot of bright colors and and just places where you can see it, but people are going to leave it there. Where can people drive around here in the Valley and see your work? Man, there's so few now. It's like right now I'm over at Just Blaze on 10th Street and Camelback. There, I got a, it's like 19 by 40. It's a big piece we oh, did wow. out there. It's, you know, celebrating the Chicano cruising culture. Mm-hmm. There, I got a, I did some other stuff for Katerra Interiors there on Osborne and 7th Street. And I've done stuff all over, but it's like they buff it. You know, you get a certain time of run, uh, and then they have another artist come in and mm-hmm. go over it. So, you know, I mean, I've had stuff next to Carly's Bistro. I've had stuff downtown, you know. So, and all through the South Side, I had some stuff. And they, you know, little by little, they all get covered. So, it's just wherever you can. But it's good because it gives other artists an opportunity to get up. And that's cool when you get to do a piece first there. And then all of a sudden, they let allow people to do stuff there. So, mm-hmm. it's a process. But, you know, I would love to keep everything up yeah but. i loved your i saw your selena on your instagram ah, i'm gonna yeah. need that I'm yeah gonna need that. that's so beautiful yeah that's that's always a big deal it's like when the, the dia de los muertos paintings and stuff i do that was something that you know just you know, one you know i mean i've always been you know since i've known lalo he's always been a real good guy and i've always loved his take on you know his characters that he does and I didn't want to do anything like that near that but I kept getting you know my my wife and my tias oh do me this do me that and so I just started painting them one day and then I you know and I I don't everybody gets inspired by the artists and that's the name of the game is that's why we create to inspire other people and Lala was a big part of that for me because it was like I had jumped out of the art scene to raise my kids and just to be you know more you know have my job and take mm-hmm. care of all my bills and make sure I was paying my child support and doing everything I had to do back in the day. And mm-hmm. then when I got back into it, he was the first artist I really got to like, wow, he was getting up, he was doing it. He was downtown and it was really something that made me want to get back into the art scene. And then I got to see him and we talked and I, you know, he was super humble and kind of gave me some direction and we just talked about things and just to see, he was just without him, him, telling me or inspiring me vocally just his movements and the way he was and you know just it was all about the art and it's good and it just made me feel good like this is what I want to do because it made me happy to want to paint yeah well another form of art for you is music as well Mm. you had a rap group back in the day the boondock Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about that experience what it was like yeah that was crazy it was um it was just really weird how it all transpired, but it was um, something that started with a good friend of mine in high school. He was uh, into music production and he was more on the management side. He was really good at managing like other groups and it was just something we did locally. And then out on his senior year, after he graduated, he was president of Carl Hayden High School and he graduated and he moved to Atlanta. And then he's like, Two weeks later, he calls me, hey, man, you got to get down here. You got to check this out. I'm like, what are, what are you doing, man? Are you, I'm working with this group, man. These guys are, they're they're pretty badass. We're, you know, we're going to make some music, but we want to, let's mean you do an album. I'm like, because he knew I had rapped. And this hip hop was like, I'm a break dancer. I'm a graffiti artist. Right. And now I'm a rapper. And, you know, all the, all the facets. <laughs> you want to do it all. So we got there and it was, it winded up being tag team. That whoop, there it is. Yes. So we were living with those guys, like kind of in the same areas and, you know, working with them and recording at their studios. And, you know, we were in the video. One, well, I didn't make the cut of the video, but my what? buddy did. So we're, we're at the video shoot. You know, I mean, I was what, like 17, 18. And so it was just 
so young being a dad. And then we took that, we recorded a couple songs there. Uh, we got to work with a, a bunch of different artists in Atlanta coming up. We actually were there for the beginning of uh, Outcast and seeing Jermaine Dupree and being all the, in those scenarios because we were in that mix of people. And then we signed a deal with uh, Raging Bull Records in L.A. So we went to L.A. We lived in the marina for a little while and we, we did a bunch of different songs. And we were actually got to record with a you know, bunch of great artists. You know, I mean, I've got songs with I got two songs with uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill. We did one with Mac 10. Um, I'm actually in the West Coast West West Side Connection video with uh, what is it? can't remember there's another rapper it's called lights out was the song so we were there wow. doing that and just we got to record in parliament funkadelic studio that was owned by fred durst where all the walls were like pink furry walls mm -hmm. and you know just the records all over all the platinum plaques and you know chill from compton's most wanted we did a song with kip frost i did i actually wasn't there and we did that song he came in did it and i came and did my part we did uh we just did a bunch of different things and we had a the deal was a distribution deal so we didn't realize that the the label was shipping our records and selling them overseas. So we didn't know about that. They, so oh. we were just kind of like, that's, that's record industry. There's always kind of something shady in the background. So they were taking all overseas stuff. And we were like, why are we getting, you know, we're paying you all this money. Why aren't we getting any kind of, you know, things going on in the States? And they didn't tell us what well, we're, out there and we didn't find out from later is my buddy's cousin came from germany he was all over us like oh man i was gonna it's say big did you have some yeah fans so there was some fans out yeah. there so it was a really big deal out there so you know we took it for what it was but it was a great lesson and then you know i just got into you know music management and just knowing how to record and dealing with artists and then in 98 we actually brought out um cool g rap and we did uh we produced his roots of evil album so we did a Cool G Raps album. He We moved him out here and he uh, finished the album. Then he went back to New York and it was just, you know, kind of the next thing. Got him another deal and wow. you know, list goes on. So it's just been a great experience just to meet all the people. And, you know, it's weird because it's like I'm born born and raised hustler. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was one of the things that I really got out of touch with. My When I moved to Atlanta, my mom was happy because she was kind of the area we grew up was really gang related gang violence i had friends in jail friends dead they shot up my house a few times wow. just by being affiliated and you know just you're not trying to be that but you just you're in that neighborhood so when i left she was really happy with that and then when i got back i found out like more of my friends have died so i really got upset with the hispanic culture and the gang violence and everything else that was and i just kind of stepped away from it all and i stayed in the music industry i try to stay in la i try to stay in other areas where i couldn't didn't have to deal with it and it wasn't only till recently I hooked up with uh, my buddy Tony Herrera and his brothers, Kenny and Michael, and they uh, they do uh, the car shows in Phoenix. They do the Arizona mm -hmm. Super Show. So they knew I do logistics and did some stuff with that. So I helped started helping them with that. And being involved in that and seeing the culture and all those old gangbangers and all the things that we didn't like about it, everybody grew up and kind of we know how to police ourselves now. So it was a really good thing for me. I really embraced the culture a lot more and it helped me to, you know, relate to a lot of the things that I didn't understand growing up, you know, with the way things were ran and you got the neighborhood boundaries and all that stuff. But I always knew somebody from everybody. So I was never really from one place. I had friends everywhere because I was always running around graffitiing all the different walls and I couldn't graffiti in one neighborhood and unless I got some little clearance from somebody. You yeah, you're okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, I got the okay. <laughs> yes. You know, that's what it is, is. People have respect, you know, for that kind of thing. When you ask permission, you know, I mean, it's good. And it's a lot of times it's something we need to teach these younger kids is to respect the process of, you know, just ask some permission. That's all it is. It's just, you know, you ain't got to, 
you know, bow down to anybody, but it's just the respect of, you know, hey, you're in somebody's neighborhood, you know, just like when I go to L.A., I know people I check in with, hey, I'm going to be in L.A., bro, we good? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so things like that. But it helped me get in touch, and it got me, you know, back to wanting a low rider. And so I've had a few, three or four now that I have built and sold, and mm -hmm. I got my truck now. And and it all came around when I did the State 48 collab because that was me embracing the culture fully to say, hey, this is what I think about the culture. It's all these things that mean this to me. And it all started from hip-hop. You know, so. So let's get into how this collaboration came to life. What's the backstory on that with State 48? Oh, it was just, I've been seeing the designs and, you know, like I got, like, I've told Nicholas, I was like, I've always been intrigued by the designs, how you can be in a, you know, I, I worked in the clothing industry for 20 years and designed for silk screening and knowing what don't the process. You, do? <laughs> you got to do it all. And so we were talking about it and, um, I was like, man, I want to do my own version of this. Like, I don't know. I didn't know the process. I, I knew about State 48. I just didn't know what what the whole process was to get anything done with them. I was just like, you know, I got to do my version. It's like, I don't know if they have any Chicanos working over there that would ever do this. So let me just put it together. And it's something I struggled with because I was like, man, it's not easy. I started and it was like I had a though. The first thing I had was the tire. You see the, the tire with the mm -hmm. wheel on the front. That was the first thing. Oh, there's my O. You know what I mean? And it, was, and it was just like, okay, I can go from there. And I started putting things together. And I've got, like I said, 20 years of things I've created. So I've always just like, I was going through stuff. And I'm, as I'm looking at your shirt, I'm like, oh, the, the Felix and all oh, mm -hmm. these roses and stuff. So I had did some stuff for uh, Little Rob, the, the hip hop artist, and he's a Chicano rapper. And I had like stuff that I drew on his album cover that I used and like all these little elements that I had. And I was just, and I sat there and I was like, you know what, don't rush it. It'll fall into place. But it literally took me about a week to really put it together, what I wanted to do. And then I started illustrating it. And then the illustration just, it's tedious. But the best thing about it is that you can go in there and zoom in and get the detail you want. But that's where knowing how to design for silk screening comes in because you can know how to trap your images and what's going to print out on silk screening opposed to a DTG print. So there's all these different aspects of it. So when I did finally get it, I put it out there and I sent it to a couple of my boys and it was kind of a snowball effect. And everybody's like, all of a sudden, tagging Mike, you know what I mean? Tagging State 48. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. So it was just like, boom, 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 boom. It was like one after another. I think I got over like 150 comments or on it. And just people like, yeah, Mike, you need to get with this. And everybody who was kind of influential in the different communities started reaching out. And then next thing you know, I got a DM and I was like, let's roll, let's do it. Because man, I love the design. And Nicholas hit me up and we started talking about it and just it's it worked out perfectly it's all timing i just like i said i just keep doing what i do and then if it's meant to be it'll happen the universe works as all all the ways always, out yeah always yeah for so sure. you touched on it a little bit but you know what does it mean to you now where you're at you know in your profession doing all these different things but coming together at this place where you're able to showcase the chicano community and the latino community here in arizona by your artwork it's just been, a, like I said, it's been a long road just dealing with, you know, not wanting to, you know, lift that culture up because of the negativity of my friends dying and the gang banging and all the, you know, dysfunction we had growing up. But now it's just like I see it as a big, you know, opportunity to show love. And that's what it is. It's like we all can relate through these things, you know, the music, the cars, you know, what I mean, just mm -hmm. the dressing that, you know, just. It's the little culture, the women. The, oh, my God. I think the women is the biggest part. They're so influential. When you go to these car shows and, you know, how, you know, they like the mothers that are there with their children, raising them to be into these things and, you know, mm -hmm. having that kind of passion for, you know, 
I got girlfriends of mine that their husbands are in jail, you know what I mean? And you see them and they're still out there holding it down, keeping that love alive for them and, you know, showing it. So it's just, it's, it's all about love. I think it's, it's always been that thing. It's just like, I got the bandana on there, like on the, the all the little things, the roses, the, the kind of with the teardrops and everything else that kind of symbolize something. So when you look at it, the switches on the, from the hydraulics and the cars and everything else, it's like that I put on the shirt. That was something that I took a little bit of time for me to kind of like, okay, what kind of, how is somebody going to feel when they see this? Right. So it was just, it was just yeah. a, 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 it was a long time coming, but it's for the, it's always been for the culture. And it's just, I guess it all starts out of love because it took a lot of hate to get me where I am to where I love the culture now. No, the details are amazing and we can all kind of relate to yeah. something on this shirt. That's what it is. And so like everybody can kind of say, ah, oh, bro, I saw that. Yeah. Like even, even Nicholas, when he saw the switch, he's like, that's my favorite thing. He goes, how did you <laughs> know to fit that there? And we talked about that for a while. So it was pretty cool. So what did it mean to you just to have them reach out to you and say, hey, because I think that's so wonderful in, in terms of being a brand, right? Mm -hmm. Being people know who State 48 is walking around, but to have that representation is so important. So I think it was very important for me. I think it was, you know, it really was, like it, it kind of got overwhelming for a second. I was like, oh man, I was just doing what I love. But that's that's the process. When you do something that you love and you get these opportunities to work with somebody like State 48, it's just, it's awesome what they're already doing. And for them to just, you know, recognize what I was doing and embrace the culture with us. And kind of like when we did the car show with you guys, it was amazing because it's just like, you know, hey, what do you want for the show? It's like, oh, we'll just do this and do that. And then me having the history with the show, we kind of got a nice space and it all worked out perfectly. But it's it's been great. You know, I mean, the response has been great. The, 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 I've gained a ton of more fans, people who were fans of State 48 now see my work. And, you know, it's just it's a snowball effect. I mean, getting, you know, a lot of recognition and people reaching out and just even if it's just well-wishers. And that's great, too, because it's, you know, just the recognition with, you know, working with Mike being such a great guy and, you know, what he does for the community. And, you know, we participated. I, I went to the the poker tournament. You know what I mean? Yes. Like once I get involved with somebody, I'm, I'm all in. You know what I mean? If we're going to work together, we're going to work together. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. I support people who have great causes. And, and that's one of the things that I liked about State 48 when I did my research. It was yeah, awesome. Definitely family right here. Yeah, for sure. Now let's backtrack a little bit because we're going through this journey of yours, mm. artwork, starting at such a young age, to the music career, to designing T-shirts and all of that through the midst of your career and the twists and the turns was a tragic eye injury that you suffered. Mm. And as an artist, I can imagine that... Uh, experience to be pretty to be traumatizing to say the least oh yeah um, it, it was it was in so many ways that but it was all like you know like i said the universe works it out you don't ever know when it's going to happen but it was i was uh i had quit the music industry i had been on tour and i would been on uh, just doing road management and i was never home so i was always in another city doing what i was doing and my son was born and my ex was like, you're never home. You need to come be a man for your family. This is, and it, and it bothered me for a while because that's how they raised me. My parents were like, oh, I did not want to have a child out of wedlock. You know, my grandma's, my mom, my mom worked for the church for 30 years. So it's just like, I didn't, you know, want to be that guy. So right. I just said, you know what? I'm going to dedicate myself to my family. And I just went, I got a job the first place I could. And it was at the, a glass company. It was uh, my ex-wife's friend husband who owned the company so he wanted to give me a job I started at the bottom and I was working there for you know a few years and I was as I was working I was you know I was making money and I was taking care of my family and I was everybody was happy and that's what my thing was I wanted to make everybody else happy my mm -hmm. mom and dad were happy I was working that regular nine to five my 
my son was being fed. My ex-wife was paying the bills with my money and doing everything we had to do. So it was all working out. And then I just felt this like, oh my gosh, I'm not using my talent. What's wrong with me? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not doing music no more. I'm not doing art. I'm not doing nothing. I was like, this is kind of, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I just, I, I couldn't figure it out and had been going through it you know, emotionally just trying to do, what is it? What is it? Why am I not using it? Should I start? Should I get back into it? And I was really missing it because I hadn't done it in so long. And then, you know, just so many different things had came about working at that company. And there's like, I was doing regular commercial installation and for like, you know, three, four story buildings. And then one day we got a call, we had a monsoon storm and uh, there was so much work. They were like, well, we just, we got to go do it. So we got a call. I had to go, I got a call to change an Arcadia door and the Arcadia door was, you know, has the two interlocking channels to keep the air out. So I took the, took it apart, put, put the new glass in. And then I went to put the door back on and it didn't shut correctly, but I didn't know that. So I just left and the lady, my boss calls me back and he's like, Hey, he's pissed off. He's like, cussing me out hey you need to go back and do this job and you should have did it right the first time and my ex was going out of town with their girlfriends i had to go pick up my son before a certain time oh. so i was stressing i was really stressing about oh the music the art all these things in my life were kind of like in one big circle at the time so i get back over this is before cell phones and everything we were even on walkie-talkie still on the for the job yeah and i get back over there and uh the lady of the house left her son in charge like hey you gotta fix this i'll be back and the son was like this big old football player and he's this big dude and he's just like yeah man you need to fix this and kind of being a jerk so everybody was coming down on me my ex-wife oh, at the time you need to hurry up come pick your son up my boss is being a jerk i was not focused i had all these things going on so i take the door off again put it on the side and i see what the problem is and i get my screwdriver out and i'm opening this channel slowly and it's you know it's coming it's coming open but then towards the end it was like a lot of pressure so i'm using it and i'm facing it away from my face and Pretty whatever nice. happened it's just like i hit it with my hand a few times and it popped out and it was going the opposite direction but it's like the reaction came back boom and it went straight through my left eye oh. and there was no blood it was just like a like a almost like a fart sound like a and that was it, was it was my eye collapsing and all the fluid came and just flew all over my my arm and I was just, I started screaming. I'm like, damn it. Like what? And then the, the guy who was at the house, the big football player guy, he starts running around panicking. What do I do? What do I do? I said, call 911. I said, get 911 out of here. So they got 911 on the phone. They handed me the phone. He goes, you, like, what happened? I stabbed my eye with a screwdriver. He goes, I want you to lay down, close your eyes. Don't move till we get there. Oh. And it was like, but the second that I felt that screwdriver go through my eye, I swear on everything that I saw everything I couldn't do with two eyes no more. Like my spray painting, my art, my can control, nothing. So I was like, I would just like, it was just a weird situation. So the paramedics arrive, all this chaos is going on. Then finally the guy gets over me. He's like, hey, he goes, I'm going to put my hand over over your good eye, which is the good eye. And I'm like, sure, he goes, all right. And the count of three, I want you to open your eye. And gets his big old flashlight out and he no. has it in my eye. And he goes, open your other eye. And I open, he goes, can you see anything? And I go, nope. And then he moves his hand. And this was so bright that it was blinding me on this side. So it was like, oh, man, I'm blind in my left eye. So I'm like, holy smokes, man. I'm just freaking out. And then they give me the ambulance. Luckily, I'm two miles away from the top eye institute in the nation. So oh. Arrowhead, Arrowhead wow. Eye Center. So it was just like that instant, everything changed. My ex-wife didn't go to California. She was at the hospital. We ended up having two more kids. The owner of the company was the first guy there at the hospital. 
from the company, wow. my best friend to this day, you know, and it's uh, just every, every, it just worked everything out. So mm-hmm. here's where it gets crazy. Uh, it, the, the, that, crazy. That's not even the crazy <laughs> part. So this is what's crazy. So they, they clean me up, they put me out, they put me out and they clean up all the stitches. They wanted to give me like a bunch of rough stitches just to hold my eye in place. Oh. And so they had to do a, they had to go back and clean it out and they had to put a gas bubble in my eye. So this is like two weeks later. And so, cause the screwdriver went through the front of my eye and it hit the muscle in the back of my eye. If it would have went up or down, I would have been dead. They said, cause the screwdriver was like no. 12 inches long. And, but it, because it hit the muscle, the muscle pushed it back out. So I have stitches in the back of my eye. So I had 12 stitches in the back of my eye. After they cleaned it up, I had 162 in the front of my eye. But during the process, this is what went down. This is what I tell when I used to tell on tour to calm everybody down. I go in there and they're like, hey, we're going to do this procedure. We need to clean up your eye. We're going to insert this gas bubble so it holds the stitches in place and you're going to have to, you know, manage your control of your head for them. I was like, oh, I didn't understand what's going on. So I go, right. So they they give me the anesthesia and I wake up and they got me strapped in my ankles, my knees, my thighs, my waist, my hands, my wrists, my elbows, all the way up to my chin, my neck, my forehead to keep me strapped to this table because you have to be awake during the surgery. They didn't tell me. Oh, hell no. So after... <laughs> So as I'm laying on the table, you know, I mean, they want to start the procedure. So they have um, one section where my eyes, my left eye, my bad eye is stapled to my face so they can do the surgery and they have my right eye covered. So as my right eye is covered, I can see shadows and everything. So as they are beginning the procedure, they go, all right, I hear about, you could hear about six doctors in there, two anesthesiologists, three surgeons and two other medical assistants. And there's a TV on, a radio on, everybody's talking. It's like a, you know, everybody's just working a regular day for them. Right. So he reaches over and he's like, hey, we're going to start the procedure. Just, you know, relax. So, all right. So as he reaches over and he starts cutting my eye open, I could feel everything. And I start screaming on the table. I'm like, I could feel that. What's going on? And he's like, oh, whoa, what? what? He goes, yeah, I could feel you cutting my eye. No. He's like, yeah. So it's like. He's like, all of a sudden, the room got quiet. TV's turned off. Radio's turned off. There's a big huddle like that. And all of a sudden, this is going to hurt. And I feel the anesthesiologist, the lady, she was a big lady, too, when I remember seeing her, reach over. And I just feel her cold hands grab my forehead with her thumbs on my forehead and press down on me. And I see this needle coming at me, like a shadow of a needle coming at me, like Twilight Zone, (laughs) slow motion. Puts it through the front of my eye and I'm screaming and he puts it through the back of my eye into my eye muscle and he pumps it and my whole face just gets cold. And then he's like, "What?" yeah, and I'm screaming the whole time. And then the the lady gets off me. The doctor jumps off and he goes, can you feel this? I'm like, no. He goes, all right. TV went back on. Radio went back on. Everybody's chatting again. And then he goes, think of something for three hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So sports highlights for three hours. And then after that, I get done and, you know. I that was the first chills. Yeah, right that was, was crazy. It was a crazy experience. But the crazy part was this is what le- this is what it all leads to. So as you know, after the surgery, I you know, they released me and say, hey, you have a gas bubble in your eye. You need to keep your head at a 90 degree angle looking down for three months. What? You have to sleep on your face. You have to look down all the time because the, the gravity of that gas bubble, it's 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 in place to hold the stitches back there. You have 12 stitches in the back of your eye. How bizarre. It was crazy. So I'm sitting at home. I had, you know, I had my ex and I had broke up. So I had a place by myself and I was living by myself. And all I could do was all day was I'm playing cards. And then my buddy, Rick Flores, rest in peace. He was an old graffiti writer too, kind of my mentor. He just shows up 
brought me a stack of papers, stack of pencils. Wow. He goes, here you go, bro. And that was it. And that's all I did for three months was draw. And I was, I had sketched a, like the first thing I had got my buddy goes, Hey, I need this logo for this guy. And the dude loved it, bought it. And I go, why am I not doing this? Wow. And so ever since then, I'm like, I got to use my talent every day for that. something. And that's just how, you know, the universe God works, man. It's just like to have that kind of tragedy happen to you. And then to get some of it out of it to where now I'm a one-eyed artist that, you know, I still have, I'm still, I got some vision now after I had a cornea transplant, okay. but it's still, there's no lens. So everything's still, the depth perception's off, but it all led to that. So it's like, it, that put me in the perspective, like I got to use my talent. I'm using my talent all the time. That's so that's, you know, every day I'm doing something with it. Sketching, I got my 10 year old son, you know, he has autism, so he wants to draw all day long. He can draw eight hours a day. So him and I just draw, we do stuff all the time. And all my kids though, they were all like that. They would always go help me do murals or whatever it was growing up. So yeah. that was all it, that was the biggest change in my life was that. Talk about like perception change, literally, Literal. <laughs> literally yeah. a perception change for you. How did that change the way that you were able to create with? It changed a lot. And like, if you see a lot of my style now, it's like, I don't do a lot of three dimensional things. I do in some sense, but a lot of my stuff is 2D. It's like, I'm, cause I'm okay. creating in that form. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can do stuff that's 3D, but I enjoy doing it this way. Cause it just helps my perspective. The way I do my shading, you know, the way I choose my colors and the way I, you know, my technique to approach different styles of art you know i do di several different mediums i do canvas i do acrylics i do mm -hmm. you know large-scale murals i do smaller stuff i do you know metal structures i'm actually doing a, a piece for the valley metro light rail project along central avenue where all the cruising is going to go wow. that's been in the mix for the last four years so i'm almost complete with that and that's all steel sculpture wow so so you talk about having your kids around you how do you use and i'm sure impacting many others in the mm. midst of this. How do you use that story mm. to inspire others, your kids or anyone, a platform like this to be able to, yeah. to share that with? You know, that's what it is. It's like, you got to be able to recognize what's going on. My kids don't get it. They're like, ah, oh, my dad's got one eye. He's an artist. They're over it. They've been, cause everybody's always so in awe by it when we tell the story and them growing up around like what happened and they want to hear the story. And so they're, they're just, ah, I'm, I'm over it. Right. But as far as other guys, it's like other people. And like, I've had people who, you know, had broken arms like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to do this again. Like, geez, it's just a, some minor setbacks. Like you're going to got to make something out of nothing. There's got to be a, a good outlook on anything in life. And that's what it is to staying positive and just recognizing, Hey, this happened. Everything happens for a reason. So that happened right. for a reason for me. It really did. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It was amazing. And what are you doing now just to push your platform? I know you, you have a fund, is that correct? Or a foundation that you're starting yeah. back up? Yeah, I have a, well, I have a nonprofit organization called peace of mind foundation and we help people bury their children. So mm -hmm. it's just something that nobody wants to talk about, you know, and it was just yeah. something that I was working for an ad agency you know, in 2005 and we had just had huge monsoons and I went home early and I was watching the news and there was a gentleman on her who was telling a story about how he lost his son in this flash flood. And then I remember an hour later seeing him on another channel and then another channel and they're like, man, this guy is reliving this experience. This is horrible. Why is it? And it's all to get the funds he needed to help bury his child. And I'm right. like, why isn't there something? But 
in, in, in taking it back, it's like I grew up in that neighborhood where it was gang violence and people dying, and we had to, you know, I mean, go to car washes car and washes, help. Yeah. There was a there was some horrible incidences where parents had to bury their children together that died at the same time because they couldn't afford two caskets. Mm. So it was just always one of those things. And my buddy Joey was murdered, and you know, having to see his family go through that and the car washes and all this stuff, and it's just like people want to know, oh like stop asking like don't make them relive that experience so like that's where we come in like the goal is like i have these numbers in my head my goal is 10 million dollars i can help a thousand families with full burials but once we open up those doors the floodgates that you just you don't want to think about it people want to don't want to think about it but it's just like it's out there people are you know having you know they the loss of a child and dealing with it every day somebody's dealing with it and if you can just say hey we're going to take care of that part of it instead of them having to deal with the loss of a child. And then, oh, all of a sudden, here's the bill. Right. You know what I mean? And now you're stressed out over that as well. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about going through different emotions and having all that, you know, that tragedy. And like, I just want to be able to write the check. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's the goal to get to that point where I can just write the check and we'll deal directly with funeral homes. So we're not giving any finances to anyone directly. We just take the information. Who are you using? And we just go directly to them. So, hey, OK, that's done. Go start the healing process mm-hmm. and that's what we want to create we want to create that and that's what we've been working on for the last you know five years you know with covid and everything else kind of put a stop to what we we're doing because right. and we all had our lives because me and my two partners in it it was my idea but i got you know two other co-founders that help us get the 501c3 status and our taxes and status done and getting it done correctly to where we can actually make an a, a you know a, a dent in what we're trying to do so what we just want to do now is just raise funds until we get to that a high enough level to where we can start donating to make a difference. So it's not just, Hey, well, we can help with $250. No, we want to be able to help a lot of it. The goal is to take care of it completely. And maybe Amazing. in the future own the funeral homes ourselves. So we can just, Hey, it's all there for you guys. Wow. And that's, that's the goal for that. You know? Yeah. That's the way to use your platform. That's yeah, amazing. That's what it is. It's help others. Yeah. Like your shirt says. Yeah. Help, help others. others. That's what we got to do. At what point did your artwork become beyond just your something for you to express yourself, something for you to do as you were recovering from your eye injury? When did it become a business for you that's now a driving force in your life? You know, it's a. Uh, since a while, I started, when I first started really doing computer illustrations, like graffiti was one thing. And it's when you look at graffiti from a distance, it looks good from afar, but it's far from good. Like you get, yeah. when you get up on it, you'll see the drips, you'll see all the mm-hmm. little, and you're working on different surfaces. You know, you're not going to have a perfectly straight canvas. You're dealing with bricks, stucco, whatever, wood, and it's, it's not perfect. So when I got into, you know, designing and using my vector programs, I work with a program called Corel Draw, and that's, you know, kind of t-shirt industry stuff so I started learning how to design for t-shirts and then I went to some trade shows met Tupac you know met a bunch of you know Christian Asoy all these old school guys that I you know grow up you know idolizing and seeing them and just you know hey man there's money in this and so we had a brand we developed a brand called Bomb and Lucky and uh, our first sale was to a company in Okinawa they bought like 25 grand worth of stuff and I'm like oh wow this is crazy. This is, you know, this, that's, this is what I want to do. And it was, you know, ever since then, it's like, man, I love going to the trade shows, seeing what's going on, what's new. You know I mean? I worked with a company out here. Uh, my buddy and I, at the time we developed it together, it was called Bobby Fresh and it was a sneaker brand. And, uh, we did sneaker tees and we did a ton of them. And we actually, uh, did a, there was a complex magazine, did an article on the top 
30 t-shirt designs for sneakers and I think we had 11 of them oh, wow. and they were all my designs so it was just like yeah and just seeing that and then I actually had an opportunity to work uh, do a project with Jordan Brand and you know you submit stuff but it's just there's so many legalities that so you gotta jump through hoops but that was through that as well and just working with you know Funk Master Flex and other people who are in this, those industries and you know you see it there's uh, that that showed me that there's opportunity with my art yes. and that's what it was just design 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 and now the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, now the Phoenix Suns. That was up. awesome. How did that come to life? Oh man, Chelsea hit me up. She had uh, she had been reaching out to me like, hey, and we just couldn't. The it was the timing was off. She's like, hey, can you come paint? I was like, yeah, sounds good. Oh, I can't make that day. Or hey, you want to do this? I'm like, I'm busy. You know. So finally, she came to me. She's like, hey, I got a t-shirt design. I want to get it done. I need it in two days. And I looked at my calendar and I looked at my wife sitting on the couch. She's like, two days. And I winded up finishing it that night and just got it done, sent it back. And like the next day I sent it back to make it look like it took me a little longer. But then she. <laughs> now they know. Yeah, now they know. But she's, but that's what it is. You don't, you're not paying for my time. You're paying for the years I've developed to get right. it done that now quickly. You can. Yeah, yeah. And that's what everybody, all artists think that way. So what's the inspiration behind the shirt? You know, just. One, it was like, I know Devin Booker's got a, a 59 Apollo. So that's that. why I put the 59 on there. And then I've always been a Gorillaz fan, like the Phoenix Suns fan. The Gorilla was always a badass to me. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Just going to games growing up and just seeing how cool it was. To, like, that's what you're like, man, this guy's jumping around the arena. He's controlling the emotions of everybody. And I, that was a big deal. I had to have the Gorilla in there. And then just, you know, what they asked me to do, like, oh, we want this and we want that. They give you the stipulations. Got to have this. These are the colors. And they you know, gave me a color palette and I worked with that. And a lot of my stuff I try to do like, cause in the printing process, the more colors, the more money, you know, the more time right. and everything else. So I was trying to minimize my color, but this is the sun. So they were like, go all in. So I was like, all right, cool. So I got to do something with all these colors and you know, the new team colors as well. So it was, it was really cool working with them. You know I mean? There was, the response was great. You know, everything was just like so professional. Like they got it done quickly. I even, uh, Chelsea took the photos that we did for the, all the social media stuff. So it was just great. She's really good to work with and she knows her stuff too. She's a sneakerhead like me. So yeah. not, I'm wearing my Doc Martin work boots now, like, but wait, not right now, I got my Jordans <laughs> in the truck. I just got to go back to another site. I wasn't going to put them on, but uh, yeah, it was, it was really good to work with them. You know what I mean? And just the response from the community after that was really awesome. Like, you know, you posted on, they posted on their social media and I got a great response from fans and no, people. it's amazing. Yeah, Again, people from other cities. Representation. Yeah, exactly. I got buddies who live in New York and like Miami and Detroit and they saw the post and be like, yo, what you doing over there in Phoenix, bro? I see you. So you. yeah, they're like, oh man, good. And it's just like, I didn't really, I don't think about it all. It's like, oh, it's a big deal. But I was just like, because it's my hometown team. But I was just like, man, this is awesome. That's it kicked in and I got a little, I was like, this is great. Yeah. So people can purchase the shirts now in the team shop. Is that correct? Or online? Yep. Okay. Yeah, he actually got me into a concert a couple weeks ago. When it first released, I went and Same bought some. Way. And then there was the show was sold out. And the guy, the I don't want to get nobody in trouble, but one of the guys there helped <laughs> me out. And I was wearing one of the t-shirts. Yo, because I walked up and asked, I was like, yo, man, was there any tickets? Which no. concert? Then I'm going to give my guy up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, We got the underground podcast yeah, here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was a Sacred Soul show. So, oh, okay. Yeah, over at Valley Bar. So it was just like, and he's like, yo, man, I got, he goes, he goes, I ain't got no more tickets. Sold out. Like, kind of being a jerk. And I'm like, oh, man. I go, all right, well, I'm going to go down to the bar and get a drink, whatever. And he saw the shirt. He goes, yo, that's that new Sun shirt. He goes, he goes, yeah. And I go, I got a, I got a triple X in the truck for you if you want one. 
And he's wow. like, yeah. And he came back, got me some pat wristbands, and I gave him a hey, shirt. So that's awesome. Yeah, and he kept working for me, so it's still working for me. That's so, so cool. Well, yeah. I cannot wait to get that shirt. And of yeah. course, this shirt you can rock it at state48.com. You can find it in red and black now, which is huge. Just we have that variety too, and just have that platform for you. It's awesome. I it's love seeing so your awesome. Artwork. I love I love going to the site and I love going to the stores. Like when I'm in the when I'll go down to Churchill and I'll be the state 48 store and whoever's working there will recognize me and then I'll start having a conversation with them and people walk by oh what's up and you know what i mean i even signed yeah. some shirts there people went and bought shirts and had me sign no them while way. i was there Man, for their I kids. Have you sign my shirt let's do it all right uh, after yeah. the pod yeah the pod. there you go and now you're on our podcast thank you so much yes. for joining us today thank you for it was having so me. fun this hearing so your good. journey yes it was a lot of fun i appreciate it thank tell you your so fans much. i will everybody check it out state48.com <laughs> on youtube yeah. on youtube apple podcast apple and podcast. spotify oh spotify yep. as well so there you go we and check out abomtheartist.com there we go you got it thank you so much thank you i'll see you next week guys